What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. And uh, like I promised a couple weeks ago, we're going to do NFL draft prospect interviews on different position players. Um, and it's not necessarily guys that I believe the Saints will take, but it's it's players out there that I believe Saints fans should keep an eye on um, because they're always positions of needs, such as quarterback, linebacker, um, wide receiver, offensive line. I'm going to try and hammer home each one, each position, and get a guy there uh, on the podcast who I believe might not only be a fit, but is definitely an intriguing option, whether he's a first, mid-round, late-round pick, it doesn't matter. Um, and today will be the first of that little series that I will do for you guys. And without further ado, let's start off with quarterbacks um, and what the Saints need to do there. And not only am I going to have the interview with a quarterback prospect, Steven Montez from Colorado, but I'm also going to do um, a breakdown of who's in the Saints quarterback room for next year, in my opinion. And look at the draft uh, prospects um, in addition to Steven, not just him. Going to look at other quarterbacks who are part of this class and, and what they're good at, what their weaknesses are, and whether or not they can be fits for the New Orleans Saints. Because you have to remember, as great as Drew is, as electrifying as Taysom Hill is, the team eventually is going to have to look at other options at quarterback. And why not look at this year's draft? But before I do that, let's talk about the quarterback room in New Orleans. All three are free agents. And I've said before, the Saints should look ahead into the future. And I've said it multiple times, and I really want them to be proactive about this. But there's a difference between saying what I feel and knowing what will happen or assuming what I believe will happen. And I think what is safe to say um, is that, number one, Taysom Hill will be back. And number two, Teddy Bridgewater will be playing elsewhere. Those are the two that I feel fairly confident about. Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. He's not going to lose him uh, as a restricted free agent. And Teddy Bridgewater, who was... Uh, you know, a heaven sent for the Saints, and he really did save this season from going into the dumps. Teddy needs to get his money. I think Teddy will get his money, um, and we'll see what happens. I, I think Teddy is a guy who, regardless of where he goes, as long as it's not a division rival, I will root for him, and I want the best for him. He's a good guy, um, good football player, even better person, and I think it's his time to go get his money. So that leaves us with a third free agent, and the biggest name out of them all, Drew Brees, and what is Drew going to do? Will he retire? Will he return? This is the way I see the Drew Brees stuff. I think he is seriously considering retiring, but there's so many signs that lead me to believe that he's coming back. For starters, he is still in the mentality where it's next season and next game and one play at a time. And I posted this on my Twitter account, and you guys could check it, of course, at Rose Vogel Report. He was on Florio and Sims' show, and I, you know I've had more than a few choice words for those two. but. He was there, and he was talking about why Sean Payton hasn't made a pick for the Super Bowl. And his reaction was, well, we're playing both teams next year. Without hesitation, we're playing both teams next year. Does that mean he's definitely coming back? No, but is it interesting that he's always looking ahead, and this man knows who's on the schedule next year and knows who he might have to face? Absolutely. I think that plays into it. My second thing, Drew still has that fire in him. 
you tear a ligament in your thumb that keeps you out for six weeks. This guy comes back in five weeks because he still rehabs and recovers faster than most athletes. At age 41, that tells me he's still got that drive. And then the third thing, and I think this is why I'm so convinced that he's coming back, he keeps mentioning that the last three years he's had more fun in his career than ever, and he's taking a different approach where he's appreciative of road wins, and he's appreciative of, of the locker room dancing after a big W, and he enjoys the ride. I think that will play a factor of him coming back knowing that we have the team, we have the coaching staff, it's a matter of execution. That's been the issue. Execution, late in games when it matters in the playoffs, and I think that's enough for Drew to come back. And I don't really care about the contract talks. We'll we'll get into that later in this in the offseason. This is just a matter of who I believe will be back. I believe Drew will be back. I believe Taysom will be back. And Teddy will be playing elsewhere. And that's the way I see this shaking out. As for draft prospects, and this is the interesting one, because there's a lot of guys out there that I like, um, including Steven Montes, who you'll hear from in a little bit. I do think that there might be a guy out there for the Saints. And, and let me just get this one. Let me just move this out of the way because a lot of people have asked me on Twitter about this, and I just feel like you need to stop asking. Joe Burrow will not be on the New Orleans Saints next year. I don't know why people think that's an option. Do not believe – I believe it's Saints report. I, if I'm wrong, please correct me in my comments over here on Twitter. Um, I believe it's Saints report that someone came out and said, oh, I got a source saying that the Saints are making a trade for Joe Burrow. Not happening. Joe Burrow will be playing for the Cincinnati Bengals next year, uh, come hell or high water. He's not going to New Orleans. Next up on the list, Tua Tungo Bailoa. I don't think that's happening either. I think Tua is an exceptional athlete, great person. Love everything about that kid. I just don't think he falls out of the top five. He's too good. And I think what it takes to jump into the top five might be too pricey for a team like the Saints that don't have a lot of draft capital. And also, at the same time, you need those picks if you have Breeze back because you're thinking about winning now. Um, And I think that's important. Third one on the list, and probably maybe the most intriguing name out of all of them, Justin Herbert, who, uh, interestingly enough, he knows Steven Montez well. The two of them played in the Pac-12. Herbert's got the size. He's got the arm strength, I'd say. The issue with Herbert, not only is there's questions about leadership skills, there are questions about consistency. Why, if he's so talented and athletic and versatile, why does he always jump off the screen at you and you're like, man, this kid's great? I think that's a question that people are going to have, and and he's going to have to answer that. Um, That said, Herbert, in my opinion, with what I'm seeing, with all these mocks, with what scouts are saying, he's going top seven. Whether it's a Chargers team or a Panthers team that takes a shot on the Oregon quarterback, I think he will go top seven, so we leave him out. Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. These are the two names that if anyone ever mentions them to me about going to the New Orleans Saints, I'm just kindly going to tell you, please just leave me alone. I don't want to talk about Jacob Eason. I don't want to talk about Jake Fromm. I think the two of them, what do they have in common? They both played for Georgia. They both don't have impressive arms, in my opinion, and they both are overrated, and everyone's going to say they look the part, probably because they're white, but that's about it. That's all that I get from those two. I don't think Jake Fromm's that impressive. I don't think Jacob Eason's that impressive, um, and that's just my opinion. That's what I've, I've seen, and both can prove me wrong, and if they do, credit to them. Uh, I haven't seen enough from Eason. I've seen enough from Fromm to know this. Fromm can be highly successful if he's in the right system, and that might be a New England system. But if the game's on the line and you need Jake Fromm to make the big throw, he's not going to make it. That's what I know, and that's what I've learned over his three years at Georgia, and that's why I'm a little skeptical about him. Now, there's another guy out there who people are skeptical about, but I'm not. I think he's going to be a good quarterback if he gets a city year, and that's Jordan Love. Jordan Love went from 
sensational quarterback at Utah State last year to what the hell happened to you this year? And a lot of people are quick to say fluke season. The year that he played well was a fluke season and he's just not that good. What I would combat that with is saying, remember he lost his coach. Coach Wells went to Texas Tech, so he loses his head coach. He loses four starting offensive linemen. That's big for anyone. He loses a couple of his top receivers. Utah State's not a school where they're just going to replenish. You know, we talk about LSU and how great they are at just stockpiling on these NFL caliber guys year after year after year. Same thing with Bama and, and uh, Ohio State. A Utah State does not have that luxury. So they lose players and they don't get to replenish there. Um, and that's a big issue on that side of the ball. So I think Jordan Love. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No. But does he have a really big arm? And is he a guy where if he sits behind a Drew Brees, I could see him excelling the year after? You bet your ass. And, I, and that's just my opinion. I really like Jordan Love. I think he's a really good quarterback prospect. And I don't even think he's going to fall to 24. So I don't think he's going to be able uh, – he's going to be there for the taking. Where the Saints pick, they'd have to trade up to get him. But I do think he's a good quarterback prospect. I think people have been a little critical of him when they don't have all the facts. Um, like I said, you lose your head coach, you lose offensive linemen, you lose receivers, your stats are not going to be nearly as good. Your production's not going to be nearly as good. Um, and I think Jordan Love is a guy who, if he went out a year earlier, people would be liking him a lot more. Um, and we just saw that down here, and that plays in the back of people's mind. And it's always, what have you done for me lately? And that's why people are a little um, low on Jordan Love at the moment. Last quarterback I want to analyze here before I give you a little breakdown of Montez is Jalen Hurts. I don't think there's a more likable guy in the draft than Jalen Hurts in terms of what he does off the field, his leadership skills. Um, I truly feel that way. I think he's a really, really great guy. Um, and, and I think that Jalen Hurts has all the intangibles mentally to succeed in the NFL. The question comes down to, does he have the arm talent? I totally get the idea that the smartest man in the room can play quarterback. And I, I do believe that. And I, we've seen... Breeze and Brady play into their 40s because they're the smartest guys in the room. But there comes a day where you need to make the throw. And I always find myself asking, can Jalen Hurts make the throw? And right now my answer is no. But if this guy falls to a third or a fourth round and, and he falls behind a good situation, can he learn? Maybe. And it's definitely a better situation than him going somewhere where he has to immediately show that he's the man because he probably will fail at that. But if he can sit and wait, the option's there. I like Jalen's athleticism. I think that Jalen is very good at being precise with the football. Um, even in the senior bowl, he struggled and he was under a lot of pressure. But I saw that he can make a lot of nice sharp throws on comeback routes. And I don't have doubts about what Jalen can do with the football in an intermediate passing game. My question is, can Jalen make the play that pops? Can he be a catalyst for an offense? I don't know. He's a skilled runner. I've said multiple times a good leader. And his completion percentage is always something in the 60s where you're like, I can definitely live with that. But you need something more. For example, I can't have my quarterback completing 66% of his passes if all of them are short and he doesn't give me the big play over the top. Because you know what that leaves me with? That leaves me with Derek Carr. You can't win with a Derek Carr. At least you can't win the big one with a Derek Carr. So I think that's the question um, uh, there that Jalen Hurts is going to have to answer uh, for sure. Now, before I get into the interview with Steven Montez, I just want to break down what you're looking at with a guy like Steven Montez. And the first thing that jumps out to me is just ultimately Steven Montez's size. And I know size is a big thing for quarterbacks. We're talking about a dude that's 6'5". So he's got that, he's got the big arm we've seen. 
I think the question that everyone wants to know is with a LaVisca, who's a great wide receiver, why aren't the numbers as prolific? Well, I think people have to remember not everyone has that air raid style offense in college where they're going to be putting up insane numbers. But here's what I like about Steven Montez. I think he throws a good deep ball. I think he's physical. I think he could take the hits that you want your quarterback to take. And I think more than anything, I've seen him come back in important games. And for note, Nebraska played Colorado about, i say first quarter of the season, maybe first half of the season this past year. And Nebraska had a big lead going into the fourth. And Colorado just goes on this nuts comeback, forces OT, wins the game. And it's really because of their quarterback, Steven Montez. And I think that's an intangible you can't teach is having the drive and the will to win games where you're down. And I don't know if Steven's a fit for the Saints because at the end of the day, I do really believe that Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill and wants to make that work. So I don't even know if the Saints draft a quarterback this year. But I do think that if a team can take a guy like Steven Montez, they can figure it out. And I guess my reasoning would be is if a guy like Josh Allen, who I think has had struggles in terms of consistency and accuracy, can make it in the NFL, why can't he? And that's why I'm really a big believer on him. I also think because he's projected to go mid-round, he could fall in a situation where he can sit behind a veteran quarterback and learn. I think that's the that's the golden spot and golden opportunity for a young quarterback. If you can sit behind a veteran, learn the way uh, that they go about games, learn their preparation, learn what makes them tick, I think that's the ideal um, scenario. Uh, so I'm going to have an interview with him coming up right after the break, so you don't want to miss it. But first, here's a message from Anchor. And welcome back inside the second half of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. And as promised, here's the interview uh, that I had with Colorado quarterback and NFL draft prospect Steven uh, Montez, who just finished another good season at the school. He was part of the Senior Bowl, and you'll see him at the NFL Combine in a couple of weeks. So here's my interview with Steven Montez. All right, so uh, first question I got to ask you, um, so you're at the Senior Bowl, you're practicing with the likes of Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, and those other high-profile guys. Um, as a competitor, how'd that feel? Um, I mean, it feels good. I mean, I was out there just trying to compete with them, trying to uh, trying to just really compete with myself and really match each throw and get better as the uh, as the week went on, and I thought I did that. I thought I, uh, I came out pretty strong on Monday, and then Tuesday kind of kind of uh, had some inconsistencies there and then cleaned a lot of that up on Wednesday and the game, uh, I mean, the game just, um, some different things happened, but I mean, I thought I, I thought I reacted well to it. I, I made some mistakes, ended up throwing an interception, had a lot of pressure on the day, but, uh, I think all in all, it was a really good experience for me. So a lot of people say this is like a, a really good, uh, wide receiver class and you played with a great one in LaVisca. He's a great wide receiver. Um, how was it adjusting to other wideouts that you're not so familiar with? Did it take you a little time to get used to it or were you just off and running? To be honest, no, I think a lot of those guys out there like Van Jefferson, Juwan Johnson, Colin Johnson, a lot of those guys are studs out there. So, uh, so going, going to LaVisca to throw into those guys, obviously LaVisca is a little bit different than those guys, but I mean, it was, it was, it was right around the same caliber of athletes out there. So it wasn't too much, uh, it wasn't too much trouble adjusting to the to the new receivers that I was throwing to in Mobile. 
So I, I read a ton of scouting reports. I'm basically like a draft nerd in that regard. And I see a lot of people say you have great arm talent, big arm, uh, ideal size at 6'5". And the only thing they say that they really want to see you improve is footwork. Do you feel like that's a fair critique or do you think that you're improving in that? Oh, 120%. I think that's a fair critique. But I think that uh, I think that throughout this process, especially for the offseason, and I've been working with Jordan Palmer, I think that that's been a main emphasis for us has been footwork. And, uh, I mean, we've been working it like crazy, especially just to, just to be consistent and to, to not miss those easy layup throws, uh, you know, so to say. So, I mean, we've been, we've, been, we've been working it like crazy, and we've been putting a whole lot of emphasis on it. So I, I only imagine that it's going to get a lot better as we continue to work on it through these, uh, through these couple weeks. And then, uh, and then even after that, just continuing to work with Jordan, uh, even after the draft and all that is over, just to, just to, just to keep, keep, uh, keep maintaining and just keep, keep getting better at, at that footwork portion because I definitely think that that's, a, that's a, an area where I have a lot of room for improvement and it's only going to make me better. It's only going to make me more consistent. So the combine's coming up in a couple of weeks and there's a lot of great parts to it. you got the throwing drills, 40-time interviews. What part of it are you looking forward to the most, and you think that that's the the area where you need to nail home and show coaches that you're the guy? I mean, to be honest, I think there's two of them. I think that the the interviews and the throwing portion are going to be really big for me. Uh, one to to showcase that my footwork has gotten a lot better, and that I can be a lot more consistent, and then also to show off my arm talent. I think I've got one of the most talented arms in the draft. And then also the interview portion is just to just to kind of let let coaches know that. That, uh, that I love the game of football, that I've been doing it for a long time, and that uh, that I want to continue to do it as a, as a professional career, and then just show them my knowledge of the game as well, and, uh, and my leadership skills and my leadership style as well. Now, I do run a Saints podcast in addition to writing, and i got to ask a hypothetical for you here. If the Saints were to take you and you were to sit behind a guy like Drew Brees, how would that feel? Uh, I mean, I think it would be, I think it would be a huge honor to, to, uh, to go in and and to learn from one of the best, of, the best of the best, really. I mean, he's he's a, a future Hall of Famer. I don't think that I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind about that. So, to come in and have the opportunity to sit behind him, I mean, it'd, it'd be fantastic. But I'm still going in to compete. I mean, I'm not going into going into just ride the bench. That's not that's not the mindset that I've ever had, and I, I don't think I'll ever have that mindset. So, I'm going to go in there and try to try to go toe for toe with him. I mean, I know it's a tall task, especially saying, saying that it's Drew Brees, but. You know, uh, there's a there's a quote that that's in a Drake a Drake song that uh, that Jordan always talks about. It's it's uh, your idols become your rivals. You're Mike. You got to AI them for your survival. So I mean, that's that's something that I think about a lot. And that's we're getting to the point now to where there a lot of these guys that I've been looking up to for a really long time, ever since I was a kid, are uh, are going to end up being my competitors. So I mean, I'm I'm really excited about the opportunity to do that. I know a lot of people. A lot of people would kill to be in this spot that I'm in. Absolutely, I, I love that response. I'm a big Drake guy as well, so uh, I, I totally agree with you there. Now I got to ask you, and I'm sure you might have a bunch, but what's the one? Who's the one quarterback that when you sit there, you try to watch film and emulate your game after? Who's that guy? Oh, I kind of emulate my guy, my my uh, my game off of a lot of different guys. I uh, I think I'm most comparable to Josh Allen. Just because we're both bigger guys, I mean, we're both mobile and we both have uh, have big arms. Um, I think I've, I've watched a whole bunch of Tom Brady tape. Uh, he's just super technical, um, and obviously his leadership skills are off the charts. 
Um, but I think that I'm a little bit. I think I'm, I'm a little bit more mobile and a little bit more athletic than Tom Brady. So I think that there's a, there's some points of difference there. Um, I mean, I think Big Ben. I think Big Ben has been somebody that I've that I've uh, I've watched I've watched some tape on, and I think that we we're, we're pretty similar just because of arm talent. Um, I mean, that's really it. I think Tom Brady. Tom growing up, Tom Brady was my favorite quarterback. Um, and so, I mean, I really just try to emulate a lot of my a lot of my styles and a lot of my leadership traits from him. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong there with Brady. Now, I, I got to ask you about that Nebraska-Colorado game this past season. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching, and, and you guys had an incredible comeback, and you were one of the main reasons that it happened. Um, first, can you describe that rivalry? Because there was a lot of talk leading up to that game, I remember. And two, how did it feel to get you guys that big win against a rival and the way you guys did it, come back in overtime? How was that? Man, to be honest, it was it was just super surreal. I uh, I didn't really know about the Colorado Nebraska rivalry until I got to Colorado. I didn't know that they were like huge rivals, especially when they were in the big the, was it the Big Ten at the time? Uh, yes. Yeah. It, no, no, it was a, it was Big Twelve, right? They were Big Twelve now, Big Ten, yeah. Yeah, Big Big Twelve. Back when they were in that conference, they used to play each other on a yearly basis, I believe. So they they used to just hate each other, and um, and I didn't really get a taste of that until 2018 when we played them up at Lincoln, and all of our fans, all they could talk about all year was like, if as long as you beat Nebraska, that's literally all we care about. And now, I mean, as a player, obviously you want to win every single game that you step on the field, but we were, we just kind of as the as the days got closer to the game, we kind of just started to realize, oh man, like these these fans, they really they really hate Nebraska. Like it's not even just the fans either. It was like the fans, old coaches, our old coaches that used to play for CU, like Coach Hagen, Coach Chev. They would really emphasize that, like this this uh, Buffalo Corn Husker rivalry is like legit. It's like really legit, like that. So we, we kind of had just a, a different intensity going into that week's practice. And uh, we went down early in the game. Uh, we, we still we still had our wits about us. You know, we knew that we were going to get a chance to come back. And, I mean, it really what really sparked us coming back was the flea flicker from the freaking four-yard line. And that was dialed up by my man Jay Johnson. He just – I guess he just – he just came to him and he was like, "Yep, yeah, let's do it. They'll never expect a flea flicker on the floor, which, I mean, why would they? And so we dialed that up, ended up uh, ended up throwing a bomb touchdown to KD, and then we kind of just started to get rolling, and a lot of the momentum had shifted from that point from uh, Nebraska to us, and then ended up throwing another touchdown to uh, Tony Brown in the right corner of the end zone late. Um and then in overtime, we ended up kicking a field goal, and then they, their kicker came out and ended up shanking it. I mean, it was it was just just like like I said earlier, so it was just surreal. The fans rushed the field, everyone was hugging each other. I mean, it was just it, it was kind of one of those one of those uh, experiences that you see on TV that you're always just like, wow. I think it would just be really special to be a part of that one day. Now, was that your favorite moment you say as a starting quarterback for Colorado? Do you have another moment that really stands out to you? I think the the top three moments of my of my. Uh, of my career at Colorado was my first start at Oregon. I think that, that that's that's got to be in the top three. I think the win either I think both of the wins in Nebraska 
or one the win in Nebraska and the win at home against Nebraska, I kind of put those like one in the same. Um, and then winning winning on senior night against Washington was also was also big for big for me and big for the, the Buffaloes as well. Those are all three great moments. Now, last question for you, Stephen. So, you know, everyone's talking about you know the Joe Burrows, the Tuas, the Herberts, those guys. Someone says, "What are you getting in Stephen Montez?" What do you tell them? I mean, I think you're getting you're getting a, a, an, an athlete at. Six six four, two hundred and thirty five pounds that can move, that can that's mobile, that can get out of the pocket, that can make throws from outside the pocket, but can also work inside the pocket to uh, to find those soft spots. I think you're getting somebody that has a, a huge arm, probably the biggest arm in the draft. And uh, I mean, I think uh, most importantly, you're getting a leader, and you're getting someone who works extremely hard at the game, and someone who who just strives to be better every single day. I mean, I'm. I think you're getting somebody who who loves to be around his teammates and is is a real big believer in camaraderie and a real big believer in relationships in the locker room. And once again, that was Colorado quarterback Steven Montez, who just wrapped up another good season with the Buffaloes. And you could see him at the NFL Combine, like I mentioned, in a couple weeks from now at Lucas Oil Stadium. He's got a really big arm. You'll be impressed by the way he can throw the football. Um, And ideal size, like I said, a 6'5 frame, that's pretty good we've seen that with Allen we've seen it with Cam Newton with Tom Brady big body quarterbacks and we'll, we'll see if um, like he said can improve on his footwork and show scouts that uh, he could take his game to the next level and I'm very confident in him I think you'll see him taken in the mid rounds it'll be interesting maybe the Saints do take him if not uh, I still wish Steven all the best he's a great dude um, and a great football player and we'll see what he can do at the NFL stage but that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple I want to remind you guys that I'm going to have more um, interviews with prospects from different positions coming up Uh, try and crack down on every need that the Saints have and even if it's one that they don't I'm still going to have it out for you guys because I know you guys are really big on the NFL draft and um, what's to come and and who knows maybe one of these guys that I have on the show ends up a member of the Saints and and we could cheer them on for the next four or five who knows how many years Um, and that would be really fun but thanks again for listening as always guys stay tuned for more content in the future and also stay tuned for uh, a little bit of more news regarding the podcast which I will share um, in the coming weeks but until then guys uh, enjoy the rest of your week take care and I will speak to you next Monday